Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going For It. I'm your host, Ben Crook of Professional Sports Partners. The National Women's Soccer League preseason is underway, and with it, a new opportunity for growth after not one, but two successful ad hoc competitions last year during the pandemic with the NWSL Challenge Cup and the Community Series. Today, we're speaking with Lindsay Behrens, who, when we recorded the conversation, was Vice President of Business Development with the NWSL, but is now moving to the club side to join the Washington Spirit as President of Business Operations. We'll get into her role at the league offices, working with partners during the pandemic and the growth of the NWSL, women's soccer, and women's sports as a whole, even during this past year. Enjoy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Nothing I love more than talking about the business of women's soccer, so I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, so this is an exciting time. I mean, NWSL preseason is just getting started, so it's all being, it's all real again, I guess, uh, getting to watch people play soccer. Yeah, the players are back, and we have a start date and an end date. So, <laughs> yes, the season is happening. I was going to say, like, it's got to be, you know, obviously going into last season, you thought that you had a start date, you thought you had an end date, but um, obviously the pandemic hits and all of that goes out the window. You have to create a new um, competition format. Uh, it's got to be a little bit more comforting this year. Obviously, you know, it's terrible that the pandemic is still going on, but you're at least able to plan a little bit further in advance going into the season. We know so much more about COVID and how to prevent it, how it gets spread. We've played during the pandemic, both in a, in a bubble and home and away games. So we feel pretty well equipped to plan for this year. And of course, we're all eagerly awaiting the vaccine. <laughs> so I think it is arguably easier this year uh, than it was last year, certainly, but still very challenging. Right. Um, so I want to start um, by just kind of digging into who you are and what you do. So Vice President of Business Development, I guess, help people understand, uh, you know, what does that job entail on a day-to-day basis? What are you doing with the league? So for me, I run the business side of our broadcast relationships with CBS and Twitch, and I also work on corporate partnerships or corporate sponsors. And so that involves everything from cold calls and cold emails to fostering relationships and starting conversations about potential corporate partnerships for the league to negotiating and closing those deals. And then after they're closed, working on fulfilling our obligations and delivering value to our partners, mostly in season, um, but sometimes we have some off-season activations. Being in this position for a fairly new league, what, I guess, challenges do you face that maybe people in other leagues like the NFL, NBA, even MLS who have been around for a while and and maybe have structures in place that support them. Um, What challenges do you face that those other leagues might not? And conversely, what opportunities do you have because you're not, you know, kind of inhibited by, well, we've always done things this way. The NWSL has a lot of things going for it. 
the first thing is our players. They are incredible humans. They all worked very hard to get where they are. Now, that's true of all professional athletes. But the thing that's unique about NWSL players is none of them grew up in a world where being a professional women's soccer player was a job you could have in the United States. But that did not stop them from working like crazy and becoming world-class athletes. So there is a determination and a grit and a perseverance to our athletes that I think is actually quite unique. They're also very well educated, very smart. And so I think that that is the number one asset that the league brings to the table is our incredible athletes. The second thing that is unique about the league is our fan base. Our fans are very well informed about both the game and the business of women's soccer. And they understand the relationship between the league being a success and our commercial partnerships being a success. So if you go on Twitter and search for the NWSL and Budweiser, you will see a lot of organic, spontaneous posts by our fans drinking Budweiser, buying Budweiser, thanking Budweiser. And that's true of all of our corporate partners. And that's the kind of engagement and commitment to our sport that not all sports have. So there's been a lot of reporting recently about our engagement rate on social media off the charts. And then the third thing that is new to our league this past year is our broadcast relationships and what level of exposure that we get through being on CBS, the largest broadcast network in the entire United States. The first time when we put our game, our opening game of our Challenge Cup on CBS last year, it was the first time professional women's club soccer had been on a major national broadcast network in the United States. And we saw the increase in ratings from that. It boosted, or previously the record, the most watched game we'd ever had was 180,000 people. That game got over 500,000. Our championship from the Challenge Cup got over 600,000. And then when we put together our fall series games, which should put another handful of games on CBS Network, we continued to attract far more viewers per game than the most watched game we'd ever had before. And so we bring a special combination of our players, our fans, our increasing number of fans to the table when we're talking to potential partners. And then the final thing I would add is that in the year 2021, every brand is talking about being a values-based organization. They want to support women. They want to support equality and opportunity. And it's really easy to say those words. It's really hard to demonstrate how it is that your brand is actually committed to those values. But those are the values of the NWSL. And when a brand supports the NWSL, it's doing something that actually communicates rather than just saying the words, it's actually doing something that puts into action the values that these corporate brands they uh, believe in. And the really special thing recently is that we did some fan surveys where we asked our fans, what does the NWSL stand for? And they said it stands for, you know, being the most competitive women's 
soccer league in the world. It stands for equality. It stands for DEI. It stands for opportunity for women. And then we said, what do NWSL corporate sponsors stand for? They stand for equality. They stand for supporting women. So we now have this amazing study that we did where it actually is proven that when brands support the NWSL, the penumbra, forgive me for using a legal term, <laughs> I can't get away from my legal training, um, <laughs> it rubs off on the brands that support us. And so that is often a part of the conversation that we have with brands, which is that, okay, you spend hundreds of millions of dollars marketing in sports. What percentage of that are you doing on women's sports? Mm. And if it's not a substantial percentage, and yet you say you believe in equality and opportunity and supporting women, do you really? I mean, I think it's time to start questioning that. If there are brands who are not doing things that they say they believe in. Yeah, I talked about a lot of great points in there, but uh, first I want to go back to your your Budweiser um, point. Obviously. I think that when I think of uh, brands who have really gotten the NWSL fan and have embraced them and engaged them, I think that that Budweiser is is at or near the top of that list. You know, looking at how they came in, how they became a partner, you know, right at the end of the 2019 World Cup. And the, the campaign that they launched, like you said, the NWSL fan knows that these partnerships are what's going to fuel the league and how they tap into that by saying flat out, I don't think I've seen any other league partnership like this ever, saying we want other brands to join us in this. Um, we want, you know, tell us who you want to be, be the next official sponsor of X uh, for the NWSL, um, and the way that they engaged the NWSL community, I thought was unlike anything that I've seen in sports partnerships before. Yeah, their ads have been really creative. It started with the Won't Stop Watching campaign um, when they ran TV and print ads that talked about the fact that these players who you see in the World Cup, who you know are the U.S. players won the World Cup in 2019, but a lot of these international players that you see in the World Cup, they play in your backyard in the United States. And they are also appearing at that time on ESPN. And then we also had a, a streaming deal with Yahoo Sports. And it was really creative. And it continued to help us at the NWSL build on the momentum that we had coming out of 2019. It was invaluable. And then they did the other campaign that you mentioned where they talked about, you know, the NWSL has open sponsorship categories. And could you be brand X, the next, um, you know, watch sponsor of the NWSL? And it started a lot of conversations. And, you know, they won a fancy award for that. Um, and we couldn't be more appreciative of their support of the league. And it's a really good example of what the NWSL looks for in our corporate partners. It's not just about putting your logo on something and writing a check. Now, we need the money. I'm not <laughs> that part of the partnership. 
And I'm not belittling the space that we have to put logos on because we've got lots of it and we are happy to do it. But when we look and we try to identify the ideal types of partnerships for us, it is not just about that simple branding for exchange for cash. It is what is it that this brand is good at? And how is it that the NWSL can benefit from the thing that the brand is good at? And vice versa, how is it that the NWSL is uniquely positioned to deliver value to our partners because of who we are and what we do and what we stand for? So the Budweiser campaign that you mentioned is a perfect example of that. Another very good example of that is going into the Challenge Cup. We were the first sports, team sports league to return to play in the United States during the pandemic. And we knew we were going to be playing in empty stadiums. So our players were going to be in isolation in the stadium, and our fans were going to be at home watching strictly through a digital interface, TV or computer, whatever. And we were like, how do we bridge this divide? You know, what do we do to help bring these two groups that are going to be so far apart together? And we talked to Secret Deodorant, and Secret said, well, we don't know how to bridge the divide, but we will help you figure it out, and we will be the sponsor of whatever the digital solution is that brings these two parties together. And we talked to Google, and Google said, well, what about our Google Meet product? You know, we're all in these group calls. What if we had a virtual watch party on Google Meet and we could incorporate it into the broadcast and into the video screen at the stadium and onto your and our social media outlets? Now, sitting where we are today, that seems really like a no-brainer, right? We've seen the NBA use Microsoft Teams and we've seen European football clubs put it on their sidelines. But at the time we were doing this, it had not been done before. <laughs> there had been a couple of screens set up along the bleachers and somewhere in Europe, but like this had not happened. And we were on phone calls with 30 people, representatives of Secret and engineers from Google and our production partner at Vista and people from CBS and Twitch. It's like, how are we going to make this happen? You know, and that is a kind of problem solving with our partners where they brought tremendous value to our league and helped us really solve a problem that we had never faced before. And likewise, we were able to display the potential of their products. Um, and I just, it, forgive the, you know, win-win <laughs> statement, but it was. And you know, that is what we are looking for for our partnerships. It's so much more than um, what I think a lot of sports partnerships are where you're just looking for a branding position and you just want to write a check and be done with it. Our partnerships are much deeper than that. You know, we are looking for brands who want to really engage with our league, who want to do so on a long-term basis, and who want to, who share our ambition. We are, without question, the most competitive league in the world, and we want to stay that way. And that's going to require real commitment from our partners, not just from the league. Yeah, I, I think that that's really sums up, you know, what I think is great about the the partnerships that have been brought on board in the NWSL recently is that they truly are partners in it. It's not like you said, you know, we're just looking for a logo, you know, whatever exposure we can get, that's great. But it's 
it's brands that are willing to engage with the league, engage with teams, engage with fans um, in a way that um, I'm not sure that, you know, previous partners maybe understood, you know, the possibilities that, that were there. You know, like you said, these, you know, I, I live this as a social media manager for an NWSL team, but those fans are just hungry for um, to connect with anything women's soccer. And so, you know, you see, I'll go back to Budweiser interacting with, with people during the challenge cup. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think an, a level of engagement from those partners um, that we really haven't seen previously. Um, and I think, you know, sets both the league and those partnerships up for long-term success. Totally. And I'll just use one more example, which is Verizon, who we signed a multi-year deal with right at the beginning of the Challenge Cup. You know, Verizon came on board really committed to the league, and we had some activations, and we executed them, and everybody was happy. And then at the end of the Challenge Cup, you know, we were looking to do something more. We did not want our players to be off the pitch for the remainder of the year. And CBS had some available windows, so we put together our fall series. And we went back to Verizon and we said, here's our idea. We're not going to be able to have every team play every other team an equal number of times. So we're looking for some kind of competitive motivation for the players and the teams. And our idea is what if we had each team select a community partner that they play for. And at the end, the first, second, and third team will get some kind of cash reward, and we called it the Community Shield. Verizon expanded their partnership with the league in the year of the pandemic, right? They signed up in the pandemic, and they expanded their partnership in the pandemic because they loved the idea. Verizon is very committed to small businesses and community, and they saw the convergence of interest both the league and theirs on multiple fronts, and they expanded their partnership that year. I mean, that's pretty crazy when you think about it, because a lot of brands who had sports partnerships last year got refunds. <laughs> they didn't write more money, more. they write bigger checks to the league, um, but our partnership is so successful, they were eager to expand it. And so, you know, again, we are very, very fortunate for the partners that we have with the league right now. They are incredible. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Nike, who has been with the league from day one. Right. They are truly a founding partner and have been incredible with the league. Yeah, I was going, you mentioned earlier the kind of the um, the social impact and that the league has. And obviously this past year has been huge in terms of athletes teams and leagues stepping up and you know whether it's in the the sphere of racial justice um criminal justice and or you know even just in terms of helping people with the pandemic there's been a, a i'd say a bigger focus in a lot of areas um in terms of people wanting to to share their voice and i think that the nwsl has done a great job of supporting um, and amplifying the athletes that you mentioned and, and what, they're, what they're saying on their platforms. Um, you mentioned there with Verizon how they kind of fit in with that, but how have, how have your partners responded to, um, to those 
community and social um, messages that that both the player and players and leagues um, have have really amplified in the past year. Women's sports are inherently political. And so I don't think anybody signs up to partner with a women's sports league without recognizing the political nature of what it means to be a woman and an athlete, right? Historically, we have gender sports and it's been something that men and boys do. And it is a revolutionary act um, still, even in this year of 2021, for women to participate in excel at demand, attention for, and compensation for being an athlete. And when we gender sports, we deny women and girls all the benefits that come along with sports. And that includes physical benefits. It includes mental health benefits. And all the lessons you learn from sports, teamwork, leadership, resiliency. It's really hard actually to learn resiliency in a way, in any other way. When you are playing a sport, individual or group, you lose. You always at some point lose and you pick yourself back up. You try again and you hope that you improve. And so when we tell little girls, you can't be an athlete, we deny them all of those benefits. And so even apart from the very real politics of a capital P, right, Black Lives Matter and engaging uh, like the WNBA did in the Georgia Senate race and um, I don't know, there's an infinite number of the other things that our players participate in that um, are under label politics. Even if you did away with all that stuff, our league, women's sports, is political because it is about demanding respect for women as athletes. And it is also, not to get too deep into it, but about deconstructing gender and what does it mean to look like a woman and what does it mean to act like a woman and can you be strong and fit and tough and be a woman? How else you can? And so we are right at the intersection of a conversation that we are having worldwide about gender and identity. And so nobody signs up to be a partner with the NWSL without realizing all of that. And so everybody has been very supportive. And I just don't think that anyone would even entertain the concept of partnering with a women's sports league if they didn't understand all of that. And if they didn't understand all of that, I think they would be out of the picture very quickly because of just frankly the discourse online. You know, when you stand up in support of women athletes and women sports leagues, you're going to get some feedback that's not going to be positive, but you're also going to get an overwhelming wave of supportive uh, feedback. And that's the thing that I think is so unique about partnerships with the NWSL again, is that the appreciation that our fans show for our partners is so big because they know how important it is that these partnerships lead to the success and survival of our league. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about Verizon increasing their, you know, their spend and the pandemic. I think that that's something that um, amazes me, not only about that, but about the NWSL in general um, announced two expansion teams during the course of a pandemic. Um, 
found a new ownership for uh, Utah moving to Kansas City during a pandemic, um, found these great partners uh, during a pandemic. I think there was, especially this past offseason, you see a bunch of people um, going over to Europe to, to play. Uh, there's, you know, consternation from fans online about, oh, no, you know, we've seen this before. Uh, women's soccer league, you know, just getting too big, too fast and just kind of implodes. But when you take a step back and you actually look at the at the whole view, that the momentum is astounding for this league right now. And and I was wondering if you could just speak to, you know, the the place where the league is as just as a business and as an organization is probably stronger than it's ever been before. I think that's right. I think that we have seen a tipping point in women's sports and women's soccer, especially. And it, I think the 2019 World Cup really changed things. We were in the marketplace after that event and the win by the U.S. Women's National Team selling our media rights. We hired Octagon to support that effort, and they ran a very robust, in some ways very traditional sales process. They talked to everyone. They didn't assume that any one network or outlet wouldn't be interested in women's soccer just because they never had been. Mm. And we had more interest in our league than even our most optimistic selves thought possible. And it's how we ended up with a deal with CBS, who did not have the best soccer programming at the time, and Twitch, a very innovative uh, online streaming uh, service that, again, did not have at that time, or even still really, have a lot of live sports. And it's just, there's too much momentum now. There's no going back. So I think we are in a very strong position. And, you know, you outlined a bunch of items that I'd point to to support that proposition, including the expansion teams and the quick change in ownership and the increased corporate sponsors and the media deals. You know, I think those media deals lay a foundation for this league that stabilizes it in a very important way. Yeah, and I think that we should also point out too that it's it's obviously the NWSL I think is kind of a one of the crown jewels of women's sports in the US, but it's it's a phenomenon that's occurring across the globe and even within other leagues in the US. WNBA I think, you know, has benefited greatly. Um, you know, the NWHL just signed a deal with Dix. Um, Athletes Unlimited is going on, and then overseas you see oh, you know, you see leagues that want to take the spot of NWSL as you know the top women's soccer league in the world. Um, what can you say about just kind of the the moment that women's sports is having in general, and in, in not only the U.S. but around the world? Well, I agree with all that. <laughs> it's Women's sports are on the rise. Um, I would point to exactly those leagues that you mentioned, Athletes Unlimited, the National Women's Hockey League, the WNBA. Women's sports in the United States have never had as much exposure and momentum as they do right now. 
And I think the ratings that you see when you put women's sports in accessible places shows that we have been suppressing the supply of these sports for a long time. And when you make them accessible, people show up, they watch. And I think we'll see more and more growth along the lines of what we've seen over the past few years. Now, the WNBA has been doing it a long time, so they really have a very strong foundation. Um, so they're probably in a slightly different class than the rest of us, um, but we're growing, all of us, collectively very rapidly. And then on the global scale, women's football is just thriving. Uh, federations across the world are investing in the game. You see that in China and Japan and Australia and New Zealand, who are going to be hosting the new World Cup in 23. Uh, you see it across, um, you know, Latin and South America, all over Europe. People are creating professional women's leagues. If you look at the finalists, um, sort of the quarter semifinalists in the World Cup from last year, almost all of those countries had mature professional club women's soccer leagues in their countries. And I think it just shows the symbiotic relationship between having a strong national program and a strong club program, and that you really are going to need a strong club program if you are going to compete uh, at the national World Cup scale. So, I just think, like I said, we've hit a tipping point. There's no going back. There's too much momentum. There's too much interest. And people have finally realized there's a lot of money to be made. And so I think that it's just going to be upwards from here. Right. I think that that's, you touched on it a little bit, but the the investment part of it, like now that people are finally, you have sponsors who are putting money into it. You have broadcast networks who are um, actually amplifying it. Um, it's starting to put it not quite on equal footing, but it's starting to raise the level of just the baseline of where women's sports are. And then you have, I think what's great, you have, you know, ownership groups like you have at Angel City FC, you have like real star power, you know, Naomi Osaka coming in with North Carolina FC, you have star power coming into, into these. And I think what's great about that is that it's women investing in women, uh, too, that it's it's you know women supporting each other um in in real tangible ways totally more of that please <laughs> <laughs> i want to go on to um you know speaking of those kind of the star power that's come into the league the the attention that you mentioned the u.s women's national team has gotten um the nwsl has gotten as a result of that uh does that change or does that come into um partner discussions at all, just having, does having people like Serena Williams, uh, Naomi Osaka on board, just lend like that social impact, the just kind of the cachet when you're talking with partners? I don't know that it does explicitly, but implicitly for sure, because it just raises the profile of the league in people's minds. They are seeing Natalie Portman on The Tonight Show talking about the name of their team, right? That just is a permeate, it's permeating into the culture in a way that it hasn't before. And I don't know that people are making spending decisions on the basis of that, but 
it's just top of mind in a way that I think it wasn't before. And like I said, the more of that, the better, because we are a young league and we are, we need to grow a lot. We, we want more fans. We want more dedicated fans. We want more casual fans. We want to be a sport that a lot of people can appreciate in the same way that people appreciate the NBA, right? Not everybody has to watch league pass and watch five games a night, but a lot of people know a lot about the NBA and it's fun and the players are amazing and the stories are great and there are podcasts and there are all kinds of TV shows about the NBA. Like we want that too. We want to have multiple entry points where people can learn about our league, but not necessarily have to watch six games every weekend. Yeah. So how, I guess, how do you use your partners in order to, um, reach those goals and to grow um, that base of, of fans? Well, at most obviously, it's just the partnerships give us resources to be able to create that kind of content. And I think that that's sort of where you have to start, right? That stuff is really expensive to make. Um, and so we need uh, supportive partners to be able to facilitate just the creation of the content. Um, but beyond that, it's also about figuring out ways in which there is an intersection between the interest of a partner and the type of content and, you know, making things that are mutually beneficial to everyone involved and, you know, spreading the benefits and the value of that type of content around uh, from the league and the players and our broadcast partners, switching CBS, and, you know, also the corporate partners who are involved in those types of activations. Well, we've talked a lot about, you know, the the present of where the NWSL is right now, a little bit of where we've been over the past, you know, several months. Where do you see the NWSL a year from now, two years from now? Well, I think that the hope is it will continue to grow at the same rate that it has been growing over the last few years. I think we will have more fans and more eyeballs on our product than ever. We always are growing. We don't lose fans once we gain them. Some years we go faster than others, but in those years where we take big leaps because there's an Olympic Games or a World Cup year, those people don't leave. So I think that we have a very positive outlook and i'll just briefly (laughs) give you um the outlook which is this year is an olympics year next year is the league's 10th anniversary and we'll be welcoming los angeles and sacramento then we'll have a world cup in australia new zealand then we'll have the paris olympics then we have a bunch of events that are happening in the United States, right? So we're going to have a men's World Cup. Now, that's not a women's soccer game, but that's still going to be huge for the game here in the United States, and that's going to boost our league. Then we also have the LA Olympics, another event in the United States. And also, in that time frame, we have another women's World Cup in 27. So there's just the next eight years are event after event that we are positioned to take advantage of and to experience some explosive growth. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Um, as one of those fans, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to join 
having more people join us in in this uh, wonderful world of women's soccer. Uh, Lindsay, before we let you go, wanted to uh, give you a chance. Obviously, the podcast is going for it. So wanted to hear from you. When was a time that you, you know, in business and life or the NWSL have really gone for it and taken taken a risk um, that, that you've seen pay off? Well, my whole life is just one going for it experiment <laughs> after another. Love to hear that. That's great. I, I've not had a linear career path. I'm just a queer kid from Sanville, Utah who loves soccer. So my background is in law and politics and business and media, stuff like that. I My background is not in uh, being a professional business person in sports. I love sports. I'm an athlete. I run ski and swim and bike and snowboard and all that stuff, but I wasn't a college athlete. But back in 2018, I took a big step back from life and thought, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> How, what is the job that I can do that is my skill set, which is deal making? I was a mergers and acquisitions attorney, and my passion, which is social justice. And at that time, the team in Utah launched, which is my hometown. I'm from Salt Lake, or I'm from Centerville, which is a suburb of Salt Lake. And I was like, oh my God, that is just incredible. Having a women's soccer team in Utah, a place where women are still not totally equal, <laughs> and where growing up I did not have a single professional woman in my orbit. You know, my hero was Murphy Brown, a fictional TV character. And I just thought, my God, it will be so impactful to have that team there, to have these women who are strong and who work hard and who lose and get up and keep fighting. And I was just I was like, this is amazing. And and I I feel that way, not just about professional women's soccer in Utah, but in the United States and worldwide. I really believe women's soccer can change the world because it already has. Look at what the 99ers did. Look at what the, the women did in 2019. And, you know, look at what the women in the NWSL do every day. They're just incredible humans and they work so hard. And I think that they have incredible social impact. Now. I didn't work in sports and I didn't know how I was going to get involved in sports. So I called my friend who at the time was the mayor of Salt Lake City. I had run her campaign in 2015 and gotten her elected, the first openly gay woman elected to the capital city of the state of Utah mayor station. And I said, do you know this owner of this women's soccer team? Can you introduce me? She was like, I mean, I do know him. I'm happy to put you in touch, but like, what are you going to do for them? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, I just want to see all the parts of the team and how it all fits together, and I just want to help. And she was like, do you mean like an internship? Now, keep in mind, I'm like in my 40s. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know about an internship, but kind of like that, but maybe a little higher up or something. So, anyway. She introduced me to the owner of that team, and uh, the story is yada, 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 here I am. Like, I got a job with that team. I spent a couple of years there. I then transitioned over to the league, and, you know, it was just 
forcing my way into the organization. There's no other way to describe it. So that's my example. It relates to the topic of our conversation. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story and sharing your insights into um, into this growing league. So thank you so much for your time. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks once again to Lindsay for sharing her experience and story and best of luck to her as she joins the Washington Spirit. You can check out the NWSL season as it gets underway on April 9th with the Challenge Cup, followed by the regular season starting May 15th. Going Forward is a production of Professional Sports Partners. You can find us at professionalsportspartners.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Professional Sports Partners, or on Twitter at PSP Sports MKTG. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.